Hey folks, it's Bama Athreya, your host on The Geek Podcast. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And this show is now part of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. You can discover more than just us by visiting their website at laborradionetwork.org. The Labor Radio Network will help you find your favorite union podcast or radio show, besides this one, of course. What is the Labor Radio Podcast Network? It's a simple network of folks from around the United States. Working people keep raising their voices more and more each day and demanding better treatment from their workplaces and from their elected officials. These voices don't get heard very much on the corporate-controlled media. But the 21st century labor movement has a new way to get its message out there besides traditional media gatekeepers. Uh, Yeah, it's ironic, but we are talking about corporate-controlled social media. But we are trusting you as the gatekeepers. So plug in and get the real news. For a one-stop shop, just visit laborradionetwork.org. On the main page, you'll see a grid of show logos, and you can just click on any one of them and the description and links pop up right there. It's worth going to visit this ever-growing set of voices for labor. TGM Voices Project, a podcast highlighting the real people who make up our union, the bakery, confectionery, tobacco workers, and grain millers. I'm Michelle Ellis, Director of Digital Media. I will bring the work of our union to you through monthly interviews with the BCTGM's hardworking leaders, organizers, and everyday members. This is the BCTGM Voices Project. In this episode, we talked with officers and organizers with BCTGM Local 6 in Philadelphia about some really effective growth strategies they've implemented over the last three or four years since our last convention. The local union president, Hank McKay, opens us up with some thoughts about plant closures, which have led to the loss of over 530 members. Using the strategies discussed in this interview, they have been able to stay on the upbeat and come out today with a net gain of 300 members. Organizing Director John Price helped me get the full story, which also includes the voices of Corey Walter, a business agent and organizer with The Local. He talks about bringing organizing into the conversation from day one with new member orientation. And Kevin Looney is a retired activist who talks about salting a plant, as in, finding employment in a non-union facility and naturally bringing the union into the conversation as he gets to know his coworkers. I think you're really gonna like this one. Remember that you can share it with your union brothers and sisters or interested workers by taking a screenshot and sharing it on social media or simply copying the link and sending it to a friend. Last but not least, the BCTGM Voices Project is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcast and tune in. So whatever platform you've chosen today, we would highly appreciate a rating and review to help us build our audience. 
With that, here are John, Hank, Corey, and Kevin. I just want John and Hank to start with an overview of the organizing program. You had said kind of around the last convention, you really sort of dedicated yourselves to growing this program. So you guys take it away. All right. So let me start out. I was talking with Hank. By the way, we're both out in Bridgeton, New Jersey, another successful organizing campaign where we brought in 90 uh, new members uh, from Danone. They make this silk milk. We just got done finishing their first contract and we're actually at uh, vacation meetings all day. And let me just start with that first contract before I get in with Hank. You know, one of the things for all the local officers out there watching this too, or anyone who negotiates contracts, it begins there. If you're in negotiations, you want to do your best to negotiate some type of recognition agreement with the employer. You can't get a recognition agreement. You want to try to get a neutrality agreement where they'll remain neutral during any organizing campaign. Now, both those we have with Danone, not recognition, but they, they are probably one of the most neutral companies we deal with uh, in, in the United States. And so we figure, what, what can we do to add on to that? So the next two things you definitely want to put on the first contract is new member orientation. And so we have 30 minutes with that, the company agreed to. And then also if they open up another facility or expand within 75 mile radius, they automatically will recognize Local 6 as the sole collective bargaining agent and give rights to our members of this location to move with their seniority and benefits. So that's something to keep in mind when you're at the negotiating table to, to think about organizing. Let me just go back, uh, I guess go back since the last convention, maybe five years ago, Hank and I got together and we were talking about all the targets between Pennsylvania, uh, Southern New Jersey, uh, Delaware, and he goes as far as New York. It's just a ton of organizing targets out there. And so Hank decided to start putting some organizing training programs together and Matt Clark, the director of research and education, and myself held, uh, conducted a couple educational courses with both the officers, retirees like Kevin Looney, rank and file organizing crew, and not only taught them about organizing, but more importantly, we went right after specific organizing targets and how we go and get contacts there. So I think today we should talk about first numbers, Hank, you know, maybe you can give us an idea on the numbers and why even a big local like yourself that has uh, four full-time officers, why you continue to organize. Well, over to, thanks, John. Yeah. Well, over the last five years, you know, Local 6 says from closures, we've lost over 531 members. And in the last five years, due to organizing, we've increased that to 425. So there was a deficit there of maybe 70 members that we were shy from what we had lost. So with the merger, we had merged with Tasty Cake recently and that was roughly 400 members. So we've got a gain of 334 members. So with that being said, I've been listening to Johnny for years about this and I, I took it to heart that plants are always gonna close. And if you don't try to stay on the upbeat with organizing, we would have been down by 531 members. That would have been 25% of our local. At one time, local six before my time used to have roughly around 7,000 members. And now we're down to, I believe like right under three, but we've lost 50% over the past 20 years, I would say roughly <clears throat> 25 years. So in order to survive, you have to organize. I mean, because when you lose 531 people, if we wouldn't have organized, we're now at a net gain of, like I said, 334. So, well, one of the things there would be one less position, certainly at the local office. And of course, you lose that union membership intensity, it hurts. 
Uh, just a couple other examples throughout the international local 68. Uh, for every member they lost, they organized. So had they not organized, that local would not be around. We have a lot of one and two shop locals out there. They're only one and two shops away from not existing anymore. It, it's a perpetual thing. In order to stay alive, you have to organize. So with that, you say, all right, let's get serious about it. Let's start training everybody in our local that wants to be involved and, and are motivated to go out and organize and give them all the tools. And so first it comes down to targeting. Local 6 does a good job at that. And then the hardest part that most locals have is how do I get a contact in that location? So we're going to talk about a couple different ways. First, I'm going to talk with Corey. Corey comes out of the bimbo plant up in Lehigh Valley. So one of the programs, Hank and, and the uh, officers of Local 6 and the stewards put together is a new member orientation. One of the questions they ask the new member is, do you know anybody that's worked in a non-union facility? And Corey, I'll let you take it from there. What's some of the answers and what has come out of that? New hiring orientations are very, very, very important. You can really get a jump on things with the new hires. You know, do the regular, make them feel welcome. Thanks for coming in. But once you put those feelers out for people who have come from a shop or a business that is not organized, you can get a ton of information from previous workers or people who are just leaving from there. And then, you know, that really gets the ball rolling for making contacts. You get start times, you get end times. You can really, you know, figure out where you want to go and, and kind of map out a plan. I was thinking of one example, Bakerly Barn. Uh, and then when you guys were doing new member orientation, I found it funny because they were asking a couple of people who just got hired if they knew anybody that worked in non-union food facilities. And here they just came from a bakery. It was a non-union bakery. And of course, now we did get a campaign going just prior to the last convention uh, and then a bunch of fights with other unions about that and pulled it. But since then, Local 6 has a list of all the names of the people that work there and stuff. But sometimes it just resorts to going out to the plant. And that's what you recently done at two facilities. With that information from previous new hire orientations, we took that and we headed up to the Ardent Mills and uh, Bakerly. Figured out where we could go in between the shifts, uh, when people were leaving, when people were going to come out, uh, who we can talk to uh, and who we you know, feel comfortable putting that information out to get a good feel for people. Hey, this is what it's like in here. Uh, this place is a good place to work. It's not so much a good place to work. You can really get a bunch of good information and then take it from there. Hey, you don't like this. You don't like how things are going in here. You know, there's a ton of different alternatives. Um, one of them being a union shop, you know, kind of put your feelers out there, feel which direction it's going to go into. If you're, if you hit it off with the people and you're good enough uh, talking to people, then yeah, you can absolutely hand out your card. You can hand out your information information. There you go. You got your foot in the door with that. So, so with Bakerly, I guess the other good thing was the new members that got hired at Bimbo got a little bit involved in the campaign and they could tell the people they knew at the Bakerly Barn Place the difference between working with being a member of Local 6 opposed to working with no, no contract at all. Now, there's all sorts of ways, as we talked about plenty of times on, on Michelle's podcast here. Another way is salting a plant. And so we have uh, retiree Kevin Looney on with us today. And since Kevin's retired, that's freed up some time for him to actually put applications into non-union facilities. So what I'm going to do is let's hand over Kevin Looney, who, who's actually had the experience of being in three different locations. So Kevin, maybe share what the hardest part was, first of all, uh, getting hired there, right, at these locations. Right. 
Well, getting hired is, is one of the hard parts because uh, they do extensive background checks. I'm an activist, so I try to stay under the radar, but do what I have to do. The hardest part for me is being a union member for 31 years, really all my life being a union member, going to a non-union shop and seeing how these people are treated. That they, but they don't, they don't know because they've never had any different. So you're going in to explain to them, hey, you know, you have rights, you have, you could speak up and, and, and they don't get it. You, it. It takes time to, you know, get them under your wing and say, look, this is not how it has to be. You do have a voice, you know, you, you get a union, you know what your benefits are going to be for the next three or four years. You know what your wages are going to be. There's no waiting for the, the management to say, hey, you know, here's a, here's a bone for you. Stick around. So, but yeah, getting into these shops, and you don't know who the lead people are, who the, who the mover and shakers are. So you got to go in and talk to people, uh, stay under the radar, but above the radar, if that makes any sense, because people you need to know, they can talk to you, but you got to make sure that management don't get wind of it because sometimes they'll push back. Good. I just have a question. How long does that usually take for you to create the relationship and build that trust? Well, it, it, it's, it's a process. I go in, I consider myself a people person. I'm never out to hurt the company. I'm out to help the people, to give them a voice. So, hey, when you have a union, you tell them what you want, and, and the union goes in and represents you. And a lot of times people don't realize that they think the union is one group, the company is another group, and they're their separate group. And you had to explain to them, no, you're the union. You make the decisions. You vote. You tell what you want. The first couple of weeks, you know, you're trying to look at, learn the job because you got to look like you really want to work hard. So you got to learn a job while you're doing your union activism. And, you know, like yeah. I said, breaks and outside it's smoke breaks and, you know, just talk to everybody. We have to understand there's a timeline. So when Kevin goes in, it's not like he's got, uh, you know, six months to a year to, to really befriend everybody and find out who the leaders are. I mean, he's immediately uh, gets in the plant with an agenda. And, and so when we talk, he's, he's immediately trying to get schedules and list of people that work in there. He's drawing a diagram of the facility. Uh, but as he said, he's looking for who the movers and shakers are, who the leaders are. And at the same time, keeping his nose to the grinder because he, he doesn't want to expose himself too soon where uh, the company finds a way to get rid of him, especially being on probation. And you can answer this, I'd say... One of the facilities you went to, which really needs a union, besides a language barrier there, uh, it was real fear, right? These people, if anyone really needs to organize, it's a place where they're being mistreated, they're underpaid. Yeah, well, this location was like 80% Spanish, and I don't speak Spanish, so I was at a disadvantage from the get-go. A lot of people, they keep themselves, uh, I mean, I don't know if they're undocumented or what it is, but they don't want to talk. I can't talk to them, they're afraid. Uh, the company's taking advantage. What the company would do is they would take care of the key positions. They were considered, uh, they would put them on salary. So they would pay a good wage to them. And then the other people who were down the line would get salary or hourly. So what they would do is their hourly salary people would be pushing, pushing, pushing to get out because that's, they make more money that way. And the, the, the hourly person's getting their butts kicked because they're not making as much money. And you had to stay there until it was finished. Yeah, it was, and it was a 10-hour shift, and it was, it, was, it was a mess, to say the least. That's another issue you said you ran into, too. I mean, it's one thing getting hired and getting on a job, and then it's to get yourself around to meet people and get to know everyone, too. And so uh, in today's workforce, it's not a five-day, eight-hour shift. Most of these companies want to do 12 hours, you know, 24-7 operation. 
And so I guess we'll look at where we're at right now, Hank and I doing uh, a ratification meeting at a place that Kevin got hired in last April at Deneau. Then once you made your inroads and found some contacts, I mean, what were some of the challenges? Well, one of the challenges was I had a helper who kind of uh, got scared and backed out on me. So we had signature cards, which meant I went from being there two months to pressing it out to seven months because I had to go back and re- get the card signed. Uh, I, I worked with the guys closely, explaining you know the, the, the high points of being in the union, and then it, the word just started spreading, you know, and then more people started talking to me. Then they would actually, towards the end when they were getting ready, they would actually approach me. And I showed them, look, you can ask questions to these supervisors. You don't have to, you know, be disrespectful. You know, it's not their end of the end of the world for them. You just got to keep, you know, plugging away. They uh, all got on board, and like I said, it was a good outcome. We look forward to your next new job. Uh, I know you're out there applying. Uh, maybe one of these employers who watch this video will hire you. No, there you go. <laughs> So Hank, what's, what's some of the other ways you try to find contacts? What we've done is I've gotten with Johnny and Matt and uh, we came up with a posting to post in the plants. If you or anybody you know, neighbors or family are working in a non-union shop, you know, uh, uh, please reach out to us and we give our cell phone numbers to contact us. And, and I wanted to throw something else out there before I forget is uh, anytime, whether uh, it's Corey or Kevin or any of the guys, going out and they get a location, they find a location where there's interest in it. There was never any hesitation from uh, uh, President Anthony Shelton or Secretary Treasurer Woods to send Johnny out in a heartbeat. But I think Johnny said it best, in order to keep what you have, you have to give it away. And I think that goes in with the money thing. A lot of times, as officers of locals, you got to be very careful with all of your money. But there's some things that you can't afford not to invest in. And whether it's pulling people out of the shops, I mean, Johnny and Matt have done a fantastic job of coming down. We would pull a handful of stewards out of the plant and go through some basic organizing training. And uh, they would go out and start, you know, tracking down these locations like Corey has and, and Kevin. We get some contacts at these places. And whenever it starts kicking off, you know, we reach out to Johnny first and foremost. And there's never an issue, like I said, with President Shelton or Secretary Treasurer Woods to send in the troops. Like Johnny said, you know, we're sitting here today, we're uh, doing a ratification meeting today and tomorrow for Denote, which is a shop that maybe six months ago just voted to join the union and we're bringing back a first contract. Uh, but it's like I said, I, I think I could speak for Kevin. You know, some of the folks from the plant, Omar, Marvin, Ruben, who were instrumental with you inside, have become the negotiating committee on the outside now. I mean, so you're seeing the people that you spoke with in the plant go from showing interest to changing people's lives by negotiating a first contract. And on a personal note, I mean, there's no better thing than to be able to help somebody at the end of the day. You know, I mean, this union, the BCTGM has given me everything for the last 30 some years to raise my family and provided me with a decent living. I mean, and I feel as though in my heart of hearts, I got to give that back out to let other people know that this is what's out there. And the bottom line is, you know, that saying you got to give it away to keep it. Uh, that really rings strong in our union because the reason we have the best collective bargaining agreements in the industries of bread and cake and biscuit and candy and now dairy is because of our union density. Uh, and, and unfortunately in biscuit, I, I, 
I don't want to use the word crumbling, but we, we have to start stepping our game up uh, because you have greedy companies like Mondelez Nabisco where they, you know, because of lousy trade agreements, they're down in Mexico and, and we're losing good union jobs here in the uh, United States because of their greed. Companies like Kellogg's uh, who went out and bought Keebler and then bought Sunshine. You know, back in the day, you had Nabisco, you had uh, Nabisco, Keebler, Sunshine. They were the top three. And because of our union density, we would negotiate the best contract in Nabisco and then have Keebler do that. Then Sunshine does it. And then the independents. But because of the, the laws in the United States, uh, I'd say almost antitrust laws too, uh, where, you know, you got a company like Kellogg's ends up with uh, Keebler, then they buy Sunshine. So that's number two and number three. And then they eventually start uh, consolidating the business between new technology or outsourcing it to non-union facilities. And that takes the union density away from us. So two things that Hank just spoke on. One, we got to give away to keep it is because we have to share it with those co-packers and, and the non-union Petrich farms and other uh, companies in, in the biscuit industry, they should enjoy the wages, benefits, and, and working conditions our members enjoy and always have enjoyed. Uh, then uh, we also, you know, we, we bring those memorandums. That helps the members we have now because that gives us the union density. And, and once again, that union density gives us the, the strength uh, for, for good levels of bargain, the best contracts. There's absolutely no shortage of non-union facilities in our industry. And like Hank said a little while ago, there's no better feeling than helping a bunch of workers organize, start standing up for themselves. You see it in their eyes. They feel stronger and stronger. Uh, to what he just alluded to, some of the people that helped Kevin organize at this facility and win the election by another one amount, uh, continue to be active and got elected as chief steward and shop steward and got elected to the negotiating committee. I think back right now, there, there's a, a principal officer in the South who I helped organize his shop some 15 years ago. Um, he not only became, you know, chief steward and principal officer, he's now on the International General Executive Board. So uh, we have some future leaders out there that we just have to go find, groom, educate, and, and get them uh, to join the BCTGM. Let me just say that too. And I know again, uh, being on, uh, I call it the Michelle podcast. Show. <laughs> um, uh, we talked about last year and even in the midst of uh, COVID-19 and, and all the shutdowns, it was one of our better years. We literally brought in close to a thousand new members externally and then another thousand internally. We absolutely know how to organize because we always win above 60, 75% of our elections. There's plenty of union facilities out there. The, the most recent surveys taken show that uh, an overwhelming majority of Americans uh, think good about unions today, unlike they did, you know, 20 years ago, especially the new generation, right? The millenniums and Generation X, and they all believe in organized labor. Um, you know, there's a big uh, election going on right now. Everybody's seen in the news with Amazon down in Alabama, and we should be hearing the results of that election soon. But look at when the middle class was built is when we had 30% of the working class people in labor unions. And if you look at the charts as labor union membership declined, so did the middle class. And so we know it's just a simple reversal. Now we have a president in the office that is as good as Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who truly believes in labor unions and is trying to push their agenda. And let me say before I forget too, for everyone in the East Central States watching this broadcast, you know, Hank had mentioned how President Shelton and Secretary Woods is right there to tell the hand, you know, you have a vice president, Roger Miller, and, and some of the new uh, reps and organizers now working in the East Central States, 
uh, like Lisa Gregory and Margaret McLaughlin and mm -hmm. Nate Zeff have all been involved in some big organizing campaigns in the last uh, year, year and a half. And they're very motivated and excited. And, and Roger certainly believes in organizing. So, you know, don't hesitate. Once you have a target, if you have a couple of contacts, uh, reach out to myself or uh, International Vice President Roger Miller and East Central. Now, if you're listening to this from the Southern region, same with Zach Townsend, another guy that believes in organizing. He's done, when he was the principal officer of 42, did more organizing in the South than probably any other officer. And now as international vice president, his agenda uh, remains the same. And of course, I can't say enough about uh, vice president, Chad Clark and uh, Brad Schmidt. Uh, so I don't know, Michelle, we got any questions or? I do want to add, I'm, I'm laughing at, you keep calling this the Michelle podcast. Um, <laughs> I just want to say that I, I appreciate the way that Local 6 uses your resources. I mean, Kevin Looney is a retiree, and we have retired officers in this BCTGM organizers Facebook group. And my kind of vision on this is that just because you're a retiree does not mean you're done with organizing. I mean, you see what's possible when somebody has a little bit more time on their hands and they can go in and continue to support the union. And why is that? Because, you know, he has a pension that he's collecting now and this, all of this matters, um, our ability to keep adding members. So going back to you saying, this is the Michelle podcast. This is not the Michelle podcast. This is just what I'm good at is the social media is understanding that when the rest of our members or the rest of our organizers can look at your faces and hear your stories and say, oh, well, if that's what they're doing, I wonder what we could do here or come up with a collective goal and look at who we've got here. If it's not someone like Kevin who can go <coughs> plant and sort of sell the union within two months or four months or whatever, which is not my gift, I could never do that. But what I can do, <laughs> I am one of those millennials who knows how to use my computer and my phone to keep a steady message there so that when Kevin gets to the point, maybe where he's like ready to reveal, you know, there's this union, here's a resource that you can use to learn more. And then I'm the one that's putting that stuff out there. So on, on that point, there's a couple of trainings that I've done recently. Podcast number four was about growing an engaged Facebook page. The one that's going to be coming out next week or the week after is going to be about improving your visibility in the community, creating a record there so that when your organizers go out and make the face-to-face -face contact, they have things to send these people after they walk away and say, hey, check out this recording or watch this video to learn more or see people that are just like you. So that's all that I would add. You're absolutely right. And, and I guess, you know, look at, you know, I'm at the age now, I'm looking at retirement too. And the thing is, you not only want to retire, make sure the organization is healthy and in good shape because it's been so good to us. You got to think of too, the time, like you said, when you are retired, I'd say to all of our retirees out there, they press legislators to make sure we got this new pension uh, bill passed. And, and, and so like, you're right, maybe it's not someone who can go in a facility and get a job and help solve, but maybe it's a person who can talk to people out on the street, or maybe they're good at writing letters or, or they're willing to come to meetings and, and talk about, uh, you know, the history of the BCTGM and, you know, why we have to continue to move on. Same with rank and file organizers too. Um, you know, we have a lot of people, both young and old, that are really loyal to this union and, and they want to know what they can do. 
And, and this is something they can really get involved. Yeah. In. And there's literally something for everyone to do. If they're well, we even had our retirees from uh, local six, I mean, busloads. Uh, for the protests. For, for the yeah. protests for the pension. Yeah. We went in vans and we drove out to Ohio, the rallies oh, out right. there. We took Danny Melinda as our other, as our secretary treasurer. His father-in-law testified in front of the Senate about the pension. I mean, so like, like you say, Johnny said, there's multiple ways to get involved. You know, I can't never speak for anybody, but I can speak for Kevin on this. No, <laughs> no, but he's always told me, he said, Hank, the reason why I'm collecting a pension is because of my union. Right. And he said, if there's anything that I can do for my union, we bust Kevin's chops all the time. But I mean, he's always there to go and do what needs to be done on a, a lot of our retirees out on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, with the retirees and everything that we've done the last time, we were all deeply involved in it. You know, from uh, President Shelton to Secretary Woods to uh, Roger Miller, the resources that we have behind us to help us move forward is priceless. I challenge anybody that's out there, go for it. If you've never organized the shop, go for it. See what kind of feeling you get out of that. You know, and you can't buy that feeling. Just go back before the show ends. I, I do like the idea that Hank was talking about, and, and uh, Matt Clark did put together a uh, brochure or a leaflet, whatever you want to call it. And this is available for any local who wants it. Um, and if we know an organizing target that's close to the vicinity of one of our unionized shops, remind members about giving it away to keep it. You know, union density gives us our strength and our power uh, because our members are our best resources to find contacts in non-union facilities. And I was telling Hank that, you know, even if we put an incentive up, you get us a contact if it leads to something. Maybe a member gets a new jacket or something or a dinner. More importantly, hopefully it's a member that wants to get involved in organizing. And uh, everyone likes to get out of the shop. And that's the best way. Get involved in an organizing campaign to get out of the shop to help out. <laughs> we all started that way. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right, guys. Well, thanks for sharing your stories today. We'll get out and advertise it to make sure people hopefully they are watching these podcasts you know i try to catch as many as i can that i'm not in because it gets you thinking and, and michelle has some great ideas for every local to be able to organize and as we started out with the program saying look for every shop open today it's going to be closed tomorrow so you've got to perpetually be organizing Jack, can i say one more thing real fast uh you know you mentioned anthony downing and anthony downing was instrumental like with you michelle with the social media aspect of it and anthony came out of the shop and now anthony's a international organizer on good things helping lots of good people yeah. i mean and but johnny said there's a lot of leaders there you know it's yeah. just that you just got to look for them all right guys well thanks thank again you. for your time thank you okay take care everyone get out and organize Yes, oh, I am. I am. <laughs> yes. Get out, Kevin. Pass that drug test. That's right. <laughs> yeah, pass your drug test. I'm All studying. Right. See you guys. If you found this content valuable, please consider sharing it on your own social media pages and be sure to tag us. We are BCTGM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more on the activities of the BCTGM, go to bctgm.org. <laughs>